0: I feel like I'm already laughing just from, <laughs> I played That's new music. We well,
1: you should be because yeah. we were all reacting. It was
0: really loud when I played it in my ears. Hey, welcome to One Life Podcast. We're talking about things from One Life Church, but ultimately things we think can relate to you in your one only life. My name is Sarah Inman. I'm one of the co-hosts of the podcast. You're joined as always by co host of the podcast and our lead pastor, Brett Nicholson.
1: So so the opening sounded like a crowd at first, but then it was like a <laughs> keyword thing. Yeah. And, so, and then we started laughing. But then I heard the prominent bass part, which was very good. So, so now I, you're into it. it. You're
0: into it. it okay, it? Yeah. thanks. Yeah. I found this last week when I was looking for some music that felt a little more a beat and I just wanted something
2: certainly
1: that
0: yeah Yeah, it's a little background it's
1: pointing back to a little bit of late 70s uh, disco-ish funk-ish kind of stuff Yeah. yeah
0: nice it's perfect for this conversation It today. really is. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we're joined today by uh, Austin Maxheimer, Dr. Austin Maxheimer, um, who's been on the podcast with, with us uh, many times, and we're excited to have you back today. Welcome, Austin. Yeah,
2: thank you. Always good to be here with my friends. Yes. And uh, I was joking with a friend that said, anytime they give me the opportunity to talk for long amounts of time, I'm there. So. <laughs> <laughs> here he is.
0: So, and he's got his notepad, as we have grown accustomed to, and I'm glad to know that you take notes because... Sometimes we get in here and people are like, I don't know what you're talking about. Austin's ready.
2: I want to prepare well.
0: um, I want to share some feedback from our episode. Last week we did something a little bit different. Uh, We talked about um, tongues. And we've been talking about um, the gifts uh, and, and we talk about the power of God in the series we're in here at One Life Church and so I just want to say thank you to everyone who's been continuing this conversation with us listening sharing feedback um, and I appreciate that uh, so I, someone said I enjoy the tongues podcast as someone who has never spoken in tongues uh, who is married to someone who has spoken in tongues I found it very interesting panel style was a really good call so right. just, I just appreciated that getting some feedback of someone saying like hey this is not something that I've had experience with but I'm married to someone who has and yeah. it was good to get some insight from other people sure. as well so we appreciate you guys uh, and again you can uh, leave some feedback at podcast at onelifechurch.org uh, that goes to me as well and then um, wherever you're listening um, take a take a minute and just let us know that you're listening that'd be great and uh, yeah we have stopped recording these filming them um, on purpose and honestly that's whole purpose is just to be able to put these out a little bit quicker. So that's really about it. And so we're excited to continue a conversation today on um, spiritual power. And we're going to talk about some terms when it comes to this, when a lot of people um, have kind of either debated or have thoughts on, and it's cessationism and continuationism. I put the isms on. Way to go. You got them right out there. Thanks. Um, And we brought Austin on to just have some conversation about that today. But uh, I think it's cool too to kind of just start with, like, even Austin getting a little bit of your own experience. And we talk about spiritual power and, um, you know, the gifts of the spirit. What's been your own experience um, in your own life with that?
2: Yeah, so I grew up in a church that would be in the camp of cessationists. Um, now, having said that, it's not like people walked around with a badge on their arm, you know, the, with like saying, We are cessationists. Mm -hmm. Uh, I would say your everyday person probably didn't even understand that term or what it meant. But the historical uh, Christian tradition that I grew up was called the Restoration Movement and emerged in the... 18th century in a response to the explosion of denominationalism. So as the Reformation came out and people were launching t- different traditions of faith and interpretations of the Bible as leaders were reading their, the text for the first time in, in really comprehensive ways, uh, they had nuances and expressions of their ministries and their faith that were a little different. And so the, the restoration movement leaders said, we want to have no creeds but Christ, And so their call was for each individual believer to go back to the early church, reason with the text, and then find out how we should express our Christian faith in the current times. And so it was a call to recapture the imagination of the early church. And interestingly enough, uh, those uh, founders uh, found, even though they were reading these clearly miraculous things that were happening in order to launch the uh, early church, the power of God coming down and working through people to establish his church and the Christian faith in the Ro- ancient Ro- Roman world, they uh, decided that they, the gifts of the Spirit, the gifts of the power of God had, had ceased. At, after the end of the time of the apostles. And so that was kind of the tradition and leadership that they expounded in restoration movement churches, which are like your first Christian churches or independent Christian churches or churches of Christ disciples of Christ. Those churches are all in the restoration movement tradition. <laughs> and so I grew up in that, and so it's not we I never experienced anyone speaking in tongues. I never experienced people talking much about the Holy Spirit. Um it certainly wouldn't have been very charismatic. People were not waving flags and uh doing spiritual laughter uh, on a regular basis in the church i grew up in he
0: starts so. laughing when you talk about <laughs> spiritual laughter what is well, that is that spiritual laughter uh, uh, it I may don't...
1: be i'm just kind of demonstrating <laughs> it. yeah I, I just i just got to kick out the fact you brought that up Yeah. <laughs> wait a minute we're going, going way a out there. Here. <laughs> <laughs> you and your cessationist yeah. tradition you yes. uh, well so that, that was my so. growing up
2: years okay
0: but yeah well in in Oh, sorry. Go
1: ahead. No, uh, no. I just wondered, like, okay, so that was inside your tradition. Did you ever, like, outside of that? You know, we all. I grew up Methodist, and but you, you always kind of end up in places that aren't under these traditions. Did you kind of watch or observe or experience in any way? Hanging out with somewhere a little bit different than not,
2: that? Not not much because as as most vocational ministers know, you are kinda tied to your home base for Sunday mornings since so you you don't need right. to go out a lot. However, I do remember one specific time, I'll try to be short on the story, but uh, My dad, he was a youth minister, and so he occasionally got invited to go help other church leaders who had small congregations launch their youth ministries because he had had some success doing that. And so they invited him to do leadership trainings and stuff. And so one time a Pentecostal church uh, had invited him, and so our whole family went. And you would think (laughs) my dad would have given given us a little bit of a heads up. (laughs) but we get in there and people are doing the whole flags and speaking in tongues and you know responsive to the sermons speaking which is we were in such a sober tradition uh, and so we, I did not know what was going on. I thought there was some sort of demon possession or, I mean, I thought I was in a different planet. Of all the uh, theories you could have, that was the
1: one, oh, man, it must be that.
2: Yeah, I, mean, I just had no context. I was like, you know, we had to drive about 35 minutes over to the next town to, to go experience this. I mean, why in the world wouldn't my dad give us just a smidge of context? So you
1: literally had never really
2: seen anything like that at all? No. Like, oh, TV or no, anything? Just go. No. I'm here. And I did not experience that again until until a prayer meeting at One Life.
0: Uh, <laughs> oh wow.
2: Yeah, yeah I love it. I was twi- I was 31 or two at that time, so yeah yeah,
1: yeah. it was oh. early on. yes, in the back rooms of the prayer teams at One Life, wow. they're, they're, we have been known to uh, do that sort
2: of thing. I don't know about the flags thing, but the uh, <laughs> tongues have definitely made really? their way out into the okay. open yeah. So I've remained mm-hmm. a hopeful, open skeptic and cynic um and we can mm-hmm. dig into that more but i do another quick story at one of those prayer uh meetings uh, back in the back room in Henderson in kids ministry uh our our team there were some key leaders elders and mostly staff but we were being prayed for by prayer the healing ministry uh, over in Kentucky and i remember thinking okay and you said in the message yesterday, maybe some of you should pray for tongues. Uh, and I do live in my mind a lot, and it's it sometimes is a barrier to God. And so I was sitting there feverishly praying very earnestly to God, give me that spiritual after thing or give me tongues or just give me whatever, because if I'm if that manifested me, everyone here's going to believe it. And so while I did not personally uh, get any sort of of revelation like that, the person next to me went down on the left, and the person on the right of me went down. Uh, <laughs> really, including our friend Heath Farmer over there. And so well, that's right, I remember. Heath yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I was like, what's. The- <laughs> I guess God got close in this prayer. Uh, so yeah, right. uh, yeah, so it's just that's oh, wow. that's an anecdote for all of you. That's uh, a joke. So uh, <laughs> I mean, it really happened, but I mean uh, that wasn't it, yesterday. It really? Didn't. No, no. Okay, it's been a few
1: years back, gotcha. but I do remember the evening. I I left early, and then I heard about Heath later. Uh, that and uh, my daughter had a, quite an experience then too. Yeah. yeah so apparently it was very everybody powerful. did, but Yeah, Everyone the, and me. I guess well, me because yeah. I left early. <laughs> <laughs> Brett. Uh, I know. <laughs> I had been to those kind of meetings before. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, and I think the this conversation, what we're hoping to do is, I mean, one, obviously you have your experiences, Brett has his, I have mine, and, you know, have a conversation and not to come on and say, this is what, you know, is right and all those things, but let's just talk about the conversation in itself because it's been one going on for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and when we talk about those two terms, I think it's it's important for us to be able to explain them. Um, you kind of defined um, cessationism a little bit, talking mm-hmm. about the gift. Ceasing and continuation would mean that those gifts continue on. Um, that's the simplest way I can define it. Right. Would either one of you to define right. it any differently?
2: No, I think I mean they're they're pretty straightforward. I would say that some people cessationists would put draw the line at the end of the life of the apostles, mm-hmm. whereas some would continue that into the establishment of the church. And so when around three hundred where it wasn't receiving active persecution anymore from the West. And so until that was established, there was still some spiritual movement mm-hmm. and power of God. So, but cessationists would say that definitely ended with the establishment and the canonization, a really important piece here, a canonization of Scripture. Um, once that was locked in the Spirit, that became the new full revelation uh, for the people of God. And so the gifts were not, no longer needed.
1: Yeah. But in your tradition you would say though they were still life of the apostles. Yeah. More on that side. Definitely. But yeah. Definitely. But to be fair, there are other people that kind of look at the full canon. Yeah. Which we forget. That took a while. It, a it while. wasn't like, you know, Jesus died and then there was a canon. It was yeah. more like uh you know it was it it, it took a few centuries. A few centuries,
2: yeah. The the first uh closest approximation to the the full canon that we have today was towards the end of the second century, so around 280, so minimally 200 years, but the right. full, you know, locked in stone wasn't until 450, so, yeah. Um, yeah, it took a little bit.
0: And so, I mean, I've read some other things too. and I there's a lot of things you can read on this and and kind of study and people's opinions. And, you know, some will talk about specific gifts that they're like, oh, yeah, that continues on, but not that one, Um, which is fascinating to me. So it's almost like there's hybrids of views uh, when it comes to this. And you even said yourself, you're kind of like open and skeptical, but like and I think that's kind of the best way I can describe my experience, Brett keeps calling me the skeptic and actually someone <laughs> on Sunday said, there's the skeptic. It's like that <laughs> a label you're was, now like, wearing. I'll oh, you know. take it. It's fine. I yeah. say it as a compliment. Yeah, I no, I appreciate that because it is one of those things that like, I feel open to be able to say that, you know, that I have questions and I think that's, what's important about these conversations for all of us. Um, okay. You're talking about the life of the apostles. Give me some context on that.
2: Okay. So the apostles were the, uh, 12 disciples, uh, that Jesus had called out by name out of the larger discipling community. So we know there was a larger context of discipling disciple, uh, people that were following Jesus. Uh, we know that there's at least anywhere from, 14 minimum uh, to 120 on the Mount of Ascension. So we see this kind of amoebic, unnamed community of disciples that were following Jesus around. But out of those, he calls 12 out by name, those whom he desired to be with, and he gives them special equipping and training and empowering and instruction. So there is a set-apart type of role that they have that continued uh, in order to help launch uh, the early church. Now, interestingly enough, in Acts, we don't get much other than the key leaders, mm-hmm. uh, Peter, James, John, uh, a smattering of some other ones. But larger church history does kind of lay out what some of the other apostles did. Um, uh, for example, Thomas, famous Doubting Thomas, uh, church early church history and tradition has him going as a missionary into India, uh, India planning churches there. And so it was at, at the time of the apostles, so the 12 named disciples that we see that had a special... Office or a relationship with Jesus, when we refer to apostles, that's what most people mean.
0: Okay. So when we're talking about people saying they continued then or after that or they ceased after that, that's pretty much the timeline that this terminology, am I correct in that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Brett, can I put you on the spot and ask you which Ooh. one you believe? It depends on which thing like are you when, when you're talking about cessation and continuation in um, those isms, like is there a hybrid of views that you kind of, of no i
1: i'm i'm pretty solid continuationist mm-hmm. yeah and i think that's more out in what how i've handled this um this series i mean I, I don't think i have many secrets about that now the the only thing that i'm a hybrid on is you have pentecostal charismatic movements which i was at a charismatic university and uh, lived inside that world i was never kind of a full-on into that whole thing, at, at every kind of every way they cross every T and every way they dot every I. There's certain ways that I don't, I'm not necessarily comfortable with. Mm-hmm. But in the basics, and and that's that's not that unusual. I know Billy Graham, for instance, is a was a continuationist. He wrote a book called The Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. and uh, where he talked about belief in the gifts for today, but he didn't talk in the way that a traditional Pentecostal would in terms of a second. Um, uh, you know, a, a second blessing, and mm-hmm. uh, the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit interpreted as a second experience and all that sort of stuff. Although I, I kind of hybrid a little bit on that, too, because I did have a kind of second experience that I go, I don't know what that was, but mm-hmm. it's kind of have a name really? somehow. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I didn't speak in tongues. But that's what kind of always made me a hybrid, <laughs> because in my in my charismatic world, because I didn't speak in tongues, which many would say that's the initial evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I did not do that. I had an experience that I would describe that or say something about it, mm-hmm. but I didn't speak in tongues during it, so it always felt disqualified. So I always was this oddball in within my, the charismatic world. Um, and so that's the part I'm a hybrid on. But as far as being a continuationist, yeah, I'm just kind of, yeah, the gifts are for today and they've never really ceased. Okay. I might have faded back and forth, but...
0: Interesting. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, honestly, like I really have been enjoying just looking at some more information on this. Um, and we talked a little about the hybrid views. And then when we talk about, I mean, obviously people are using Scripture, you know, and the Word of God to decide how they believe these things. Are there some, like, I don't know, examples? Obviously we're reading through... Um, 1 Corinthians right now, which is very direct, talking about those things, and so like, how are people taking that same scripture and saying one thing, and taking the same scripture and saying another? Which I know everyone does that, but for these specific topics, how would you guys bring that up? Okay,
2: <laughs> well, the so I would say that if you if you do a just a plain reading in the text, it's very difficult not to see a continuationist type of move. Jesus's uh, miracles are. Everywhere throughout the Gospels, uh, throughout Acts, we see testimony of that throughout the history of, of the church, uh, we've referenced in the past year at One Life the book I can't remember the name of off the top of my head, but the dense work. Oh, miracles by Craig miracles Keener, yeah. by Craig Keener, who uh, I didn't unfortunately didn't get a study under him directly, but he was at Asbury and everyone just refers to him. And I've read several of his books. If you want to read a, a very sober, uh, scholarly work that is testifying to that stuff, like the, it's it it would be difficult not to like when Jesus says things like. Uh, you're going to do greater, more, and greater things uh, than me. And uh, when you see uh, the, the apostles displaying the gifts that Christ did uh, in the world, and then commissioning others to do the same, like so, there's these passages uh, that seem to be very clear. Now, the cessationists would be reading the exact same text. Their argument would simply be that it was it's contextual. So when it says you. It's for the person that they're writing to, and not you, Sarah Inman, or mm-hmm. you, Brett Nicholson, or you, twenty-first century Christian. And so, it, it, the it's it's a matter of an interpretive grid uh, that you're applying onto the text, not necessarily a clear reading of what the text says. Hmm. Right.
0: And and uh, actually, Zach, uh, we actually asked Zach Bilo to join us, and he wasn't able to make it, but he did send in a question. I think it's a good time to kind of reference that. As you're talking about, has, as we're reading the scriptures, you know, some of these things that we're talking about, these passages that we've talked about in Acts and, and also in 1 Corinthians as we're reading through these, where do you think culture would be, I guess, right now, um, and kind of in the starting place for culture today in this conversation? Do you think that we're open, we're skeptical? I mean, is it because I feel like I've seen a little bit of a shift even the last five years, um, especially even in church cultures where we didn't talk about this before, and now it seems like a lot of churches are kind of shifting and saying, hey, we talk about this a lot.
1: Well, for me, uh, the, one of the reasons I, well, the reason I brought it up, honestly, uh, and went into the series is because especially in our cultural moment and with the generation that is um, on the rise, um, uh, you know, I, I talk a lot about bringing rain to church and intellectual integrity, and I believe that deeply. But I also believe at the same time that there's a deep need for transcendent, you know, experience uh, that people have. Uh, that there's, and I wish desperately that people could have that more readily, if I'm being honest. I mean, like, like the experience I had. I, I ac- experienced, that's the only way I can say it, is experience the love of Christ in a way that was very tangible on the deepest part of who I was. And I wish people could have that because it takes, it, it gets past, it bypasses the the arguments and the, and the, the back and forth. And mm-hmm. I just think this generation desperately needs to see that world of the New Testament in some form. It doesn't have to be people jumping up out of wheelchairs necessarily, sure. but it does need to be uh, transcendent. There's something more to this than just your argument's better than the guy down the street is kind of where I am on that whole question and why I want us praying, and I'd be, you know, I'm straight up with it. I'm I'm hoping people, and I have stories of people coming in and saying, I felt the presence of God so strongly that it moved me, even though I wasn't a believer, that kind of thing. Uh, So I'm I'm, I'm after that, (laughs) for lack of a better way of putting it, because I think there's such a huge need for it, especially right now in the cultural moment.
2: Yeah, there has been a shift in the last, really, I mean, you could say 100 years, but really culturally I would say in the last 20 or so and and that's a a, we say we're products of our our, we're all born in a time and place and we can't avoid that right we're children of our era and so our era was informed by about 400 years of a philosophic philosophical movement called the enlightenment that placed supreme uh priority on human reasoning and so uh, and that was coinciding with a materialistic world of worldview, which means that the only thing that exists is the material world. And so, if you just logically put those together, then the only thing that makes sense is what we can produce and create in our own with the substance and things that we have, including our minds and our and our hands and and the materials and elements of the world. Well, the Christian worldview always, from the very beginning, as Brett was talking about, has affirmed an orthodox view of the faith is that God is transcendent, that creation uh, came out of a transcendent being. And so there is this other reality, the prime reality even of existence is God himself. Uh, The Old Testament name for God that he revealed to the Israelites was Yahweh, which just means I am. It's that's pure existence and being. And we long for that as a as a, as, a, as a human society because we're created in the image of God. And so we're created to reflect the transcendent one. And so we long for and learn for and strive for transcendence and reaching beyond the material realm. Um, and so it is a very culturally relevant conversation right now, and especially as our society has deconstructed um, the enlightenment project. It didn't work out the way that we had hoped it would. Um, people are open to conversations about spirituality and transcendence, and you see that working out in things well beyond the Christian faith as you know, people are uh, exploring crystals and uh, exploring uh, mantras and chakras and all these yoga and uh, all these different meditation practices, and mindfulness is a big all word right. right now. And what's cool and neat is that Christianity has a very long history of all of those things. We just use different words for them. Prayer and meditation, you know, like uh, spiritual disciplines and uh, things like yoga. Like these are all things that are rooted in and have been historically in Christianity for millennia, literally millennia. And so there's a rediscovery of that, which is good. Now we just have to be careful not to syncretize. Syncretize just means a blending together of what society or culture is putting out there versus what the Christian worldview uh, upholds and historically uh, you know says is the true and right expression of our faith right. uh, not blending those two uh, together but it's a rich history for us to tap into.
0: It's interesting cuz I my first thought would have been like as we move to what most people call kind of a post-Christian culture that those things would seem odd but as you both describe it they probably seem less odd. To people, in if you start ways. explaining to them, like maybe more people who have grown up in faith like myself are like, that seems weird to me. But someone else would be like, that sounds great. I want to know more about yeah. that. The, uh, isn't that interesting? I had
1: the privilege of, uh, I was I got to be in Paris and I was talking to a guy that had lived there for a missionary for several years. And, uh, in, you know, France is like the the heartbeat of the postmodern modern. Uh, mm-hmm. and it, just all that that thinking all the philosophical tradition of you know tearing all those things down and so I was prepared for it to be a place it's, it's the most secularized place in the world right mm-hmm. and I said you know so you kind of gear up for uh, the intellectual battle and he said there's some of that but he said the thing that's going on now is people are consulting uh, tarot cards uh, they're mm-hmm. going to se- they're doing seances they're they're going to mediums they they're going towards that transcendent thing in that environment so yeah. this Post-scientific, post-modern thing. So to your point, it's, it's part of the innate part of who we are. And if you try to remove that, people are going to fill that with something. Yeah. And they were doing it. And he said that there were movements, the only church movements that were really, really hitting hard there and doing well and bearing fruit were more Pentecostal-type movements. They just mm-hmm. were because people would walk in and there was more expression and there was a sense of something other uh, mm-hmm. than just the normal, everyday, physical things. In Paris, of all places, that's
0: really interesting.
2: Yeah, and this might take us down a path we don't want to go. So you can <laughs> you can chop you can chop it off if you want and just let it be uh, a statement. Yeah, you know, Sarah, do that. I'm going to watch. See, can't wait. I would say the that. The, so the longing for that is unbalanced by the abuse, unfortunately, that's been displayed a lot of times by leadership and institutions to do with the power of God. Right. And so uh, while the everyday person longs for it, they they really don't want to see it manifested in the ways that they've experienced or seen or witnessed in the past. And so there really is a, a very interesting moment of kind of uncoupling um, there's a, a, a book that a friend of mine, our, our common friend, uh, Zach Parson, who's been on here before, uh, called Recapture the Rapture by Jamie Wheel. So he's a secularist. He's a post-Christian, and he is putting out there in society what it may look like for a community or, or a church <laughs> to pursue um, the transcendence or rapture of faith without having to be indoctrinated with Uh, the negative (laughs) viewpoints of of the uh, abuses of power that have happened in these other expressions that he's had. So it's an interesting time for sure. Well, it sure is, yeah. It's (laughs) it's an interesting thing altogether.
1: I didn't know that was an option.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, and, and you said this, Brett, you know, that you had this kind of experience where you felt like, why are we having all these conversations and the things that we, you know, argue about? Why is this something that is a conversation? Like, why are, is this a thing that, um, is still so debated um, or even just something that people have different views on. Why are there different churches that have so many different views on that? And I'd say what's interesting, what I'm finding out here in our church, you know, whether you're listening and you're part of One Life or not, um, you might have a similar situation where there's differing views inside your church, which I, I think is super healthy, um, in a sense. Um, unless I'm just completely wrong, and then that's okay. Uh, <laughs> or everyone else is, you know, and that's great too. But and you can uh, start
2: your own church. Yeah, I
0: don't want to do that. Um, <laughs> but you know, like, why is this something that is such um, so debated?
1: Well, I I will say this: there, I've, I've I have more sympathies somewhat for cessationist than I used to I used to be a lot more strident about it but I get it I don't agree with it but I get it, it it's uh, it it's a combination of the abuse fear and the the bottom line comes down to revelation versus not and like if if like I was talking about prophecy yesterday if, if I were sitting out and listening to me I would have alarm bells going off. Like, what do you mean by that? So I can give a word to someone, this word, is it, is, is it on the level of the Bible? Is it, uh, are you giving a new revelation from God? Well, we've got plenty, you know, the ink dried on revelation. And so you need to be done. And so that gets into kind of strange territory. I will admit if people going around, I've got a word from God for you. Well, does that mean I have to listen to it? Like I would the book of Ephesians or, and so that's, I respect the debate and I respect the caution. Um, again, I think you have to go in there and really grapple with it instead of just dismiss people like they're uh, fools or something. Because, but that's for me is the root, primary root of the debate, as it were.
2: Yeah, and, and unfortunately, it's also, or maybe fortunately, again, maybe I'm playing my cards here, but it's also been tied to this question of salvation uh, in some circles, and so it, right. some for some people, it's deathly, in, eternally. Significant, and so we don't. I don't want to minimize that in any way, and I don't want to um, make someone who holds that position feel minimized in any way either, uh, personally. Um, But yes, so I I would like to talk about that, the power of God and the the gifts of the Spirit and expressions of the gifts of the Spirit, like tongues and administration and helps and love, and in ways that are maybe not dependent on Jesus's completed works, uh, which is the other side of that coin is like we want to make sure and hold on to the completed works of Christ on the cross. And that's another issue that some cessationists have is that you're adding on to uh, the right. completed works of Christ, which again, I, 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 I want to affirm that <laughs> and, and, 2,000 years of Christian history and saying, yes, Christ's works are completed and salvation is in him and him alone, and before talking about the expressions of power and manifestations of God's power in the world and what that may look like for us or not today.
0: This is good. I'm having fun. Like, just, I mean... Thinking about these things is good because I want to be able to have, you know, an intelligent conversation with someone who has this conversation or wants to have this conversation and in our church or even just in general, um, because I can say, oh, yeah, that seems weird to me. But being able to talk about why those things are weird um, or may feel different or may just have a different experience is um, is kind of important. Um, Okay, we. Are there any other, uh, we we didn't get too far into some of the scriptures specifically. Are there any that you had um, when we talk about these things that people are kind of pointing to um, when it talks about um, kind of this this conversation?
2: Yeah, I think um, continuationists, I think, have a much more uh, firmer grasp, or not firmer grasp, firmer clear uh, pointing back to scriptures with passages like the Great Commission where all power and authority has been given to us. And I mentioned in the Gospel of John, you will do greater things than I. And then passages uh, on the spiritual gifts, gifts in Romans 12 and uh, 1 Corinthians 12 through 14. And um, uh, I can't remember the verse off the top of my head, but it says, what you, what you pray will be Tied and loosed uh, on earth, or tied oh yeah, Matthew, Matthew eighteen. Yeah, th- those are. I mean, th- there's just a rich point, uh, point. and so I would say that from a from a purely p- clear reading of the text, these this is what they would uphold. I think the cessationists mainly are uh, referencing a, a philosophical or, or interpretive or hermeneutic uh, grid. Uh, and applying it to application mm-hmm. of faith today, which is a very, contextual moves is very important and needed as well. Uh, so I, I may be uh, not as informed as others, but that, that may be able to contribute more, but that's that's just my yeah, basic understanding. And that's,
1: one is, seems to be kind of a straight reading of the text, the other one is the philosophy about the text itself. Yeah. And, and and I used to make fun of that a little bit. I don't as much anymore. I still do some, but uh, <laughs> but I also know there are passages like in First Corinthians thirteen. You know, tongues will be stilled and, and prophecy will fade away. And mm. there's there's grabbing at those kinds of uh, passages that say, yeah, there's an acknowledgement that these things could be on the fade. There's other things I, I've seen. Others that will go back and go like in Israel's history. Uh, Elijah and Elisha were very. Um, A lot of miraculous followed them, uh, but Jeremiah and some of the other prophets, apparently not, uh, that God went through different seasons or dispensations where he tended to do those kinds of things as opposed to the other. Well, why wouldn't that also be true of the New Testament? Mm -hmm. Uh, The New Testament era was when God did that stuff, but then uh, coming past it, you know, it may not have been that way. So there's a pattern. uh, There's an argument that uh, there's a scriptural pattern to those kinds of things.
2: Yeah, and I would, I would also add to that that there, there seems to be a progression in, 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 in the Bible itself, but even in uh, the early church, uh, towards a soberness, towards the expression of miracles. Uh, if you think about following Paul through Acts, he experiences some crazy stuff, right? Like he mm-hmm. he's, does some miraculous things himself. He experiences all these things. That's not really there in the epistles, like he doesn't talk about that as much, certainly not as prevalently as he as he experienced in Acts. And then I think of the, even Jesus, as he modeled miracles, he would often, as soon as he attracted a big crowd, he would go away to spend time with the Father, where, you know, you'd almost expect him to keep the movement going. And he just fed 5,000 and this miracle, like, let's <laughs> Next keep, week it'll be 10,000. 10,000, 10, <laughs> let's keep the, up and to the right... Uh, but he doesn't, he goes away, and so he models this kind of going away. And then, and then I think, even I, I printed out some, I just, I'll just read one, oh. uh, maybe two. So, this is from early church, uh, fathers. Justin Martyr says, For one receives the spirit of understanding, another of counsel, another of strength, and another of knowledge, and another of the fear of God. And he's talking about that in the context of the gifts of the spirit, and he's not talking about. Healing or speaking in tongues. And then uh, another church father says, Paul, in the list of spiritual gifts given by God, puts first the gift of wisdom and second, as inferior to that, the word of knowledge. And then third, even lower, I think, faith. And as he values reason above miraculous workings on this account, he puts the working of miracles and the gifts of healing in a lower place than the intellectual gifts. And so this is a church father who affirms miracles but he just puts them lower on. And so then I start to ask the question, like, why do? Why does Paul, wh- what does this move towards soberness from, the, from people that are, are affirming miracles? Sure. And I was like, you know, there's a tendency of humanity to elevate the person or the physical above the source. So people want to follow Paul instead of the source of the miracle, which is God, or they want to put, their uh, prayers into this uh, rag that supposedly did this healing, you know, the thing instead of the source, which is God, that brought about the healing. And they also have, a ten- humanity also has a tendency to elevate the event or the outcome over the purpose. And so I was just processing this, like, so church church fathers and leaders are are modeling an approach to the power of God that affirms it while still being sober and uh, critical and putting it in its proper place so that it's the source and not people. It's the purpose and not the outcome that is at at the heart of our faith.
0: Well, I mean, yeah, that makes sense to me. And yet at the same time, like, I love that you, one of the questions I was going to ask was, you know, are there other, you know, historical writings? And you you read some there, but it's like, I keep wondering about that. I mean, if some of these things are um, things that we say continue to happen, wouldn't there be a bunch of, like, writings about, like, these amazing miracle things happening? And I'm sure that's something we're talking about at some point during the series or have continued to, but um, where's that at? You know, where are some of those <laughs> things at? You know, we're talking about people right. and Well, uh, part of
1: the answer is, uh, I have reference Keener's book because uh, it has been called, one one scholar called it the the finest work on miracles in the history of the church so mm-hmm. it's it's not a small thing and he traces back and yeah. he does mention these things that were mentioned at different eras and ages and where they were reported and um, and then closer to our time you know John Wesley he talks about experiences with mm-hmm. the demonic uh, that's talked about quite a bit throughout history but uh, for me also. I think we lean a little Western on this. That's one of the bigger arguments: is that people in other parts of the world, that have a worldview that's a little bit more open to, uh, especially in Africa, uh, they report these things quite a bit. I mean, South America just, uh, too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, South America, Asia, uh, and that's one of the things that kind of can. I got a kick out of when I was serving with uh, in the in the Chinese underground church that. They didn't know the New Testament to be. They didn't know there was an option to have a cessationist view. It's not making fun of it, but they, they just didn't think right. of it that way because they they read the New Testament and it just and when you just read it in itself, it, it presents a world in which these things are real. Mm-hmm. And so they uh, they received it. And there's statistics that say I think over eighty percent of all. Uh, members of the Chinese underground church have said they've seen a genuine miracle that impacted their move towards faith, uh, 80%. So and wow. they report all kinds of things like that. So it's not, we have to be careful. Are we being, are we in Western here? Or are yeah. we being genuinely, uh, just a full on worldwide Christian because there's a lot more of that kind of thing that goes on in there. And that's the thing that Keener goes after too. He's mm-hmm. he said he, as a professor was hearing, he had students from Africa and Asia and all these places, and they would tell stories all the time. And he was like, "Hmm, okay, I think I'm going to investigate that."
0: And then that's a little bit of tease for an episode we're doing in, uh, I think, two weeks, talking about miracles specifically. So, oh, okay, good. Yeah, it's going to be great. I'd
2: uh, just add to that I heard I, I heard one uh, writer uh, he talked about how these miracles and, and exp- manifestations of the power of God are the exception and not the rule. And he was saying that we have the tendency to write try to Write ourselves. Uh, we, we try to write God into our story instead of write ourselves into God's story. And if you think about this very practically, one of Jesus' miracles at the pool of Siloam, he he heals one person. That place would have been hmm. overcrowded yeah. with people. Right. Even Paul or Peter and and uh, James and John when they're going into the city of Gates called beautiful, and there would have been hundreds and maybe thousands of, of beggars out there, and they healed one. And so the, the, the tendency, again, is for us to say, where are you, God? And it, writing him into our story of our life. But God is unfolding a, a, a cosmic redemption plan. And if his power manifests in our lives, well, then we got to experience an amazing thing that's not his ultimate purpose. It's to redeem all of creation, you know, and not certainly each one of us is very personal, but that's not the cosmic unfolding of his plan. And we have to think about that in the terms of of who we are and who he is.
1: Yeah, that's that's an excellent point because I I know from being inside the charismatic point or or, um, charismatic world, I know that the battle, the intellectual battle, because I wrote my senior paper on it, was in faith like it's all or nothing. It's mm-hmm. it's kind of a thing of God wills to heal every single person. And to your point, well, even in the Bible, that didn't happen that way. Mm-hmm. It, it it just doesn't. And and it also in our experience, it doesn't happen that way either. But that's the that's the downside sometimes. If these things like everybody should speak in tongues, everybody should, because it's almost interpreted like well, it, going back to your story of you know Heath on one side. Is <laughs> <laughs> why did he leave you out? I don't know. But, but he does. And, and, but it is really, truly, there's like this intellectual grappling with, mm-hmm. well, that one, God, you, you, you messed up somehow because he would never leave you out. Well, he probably did. But, but he wasn't leaving you out. He was doing something different with you, yeah. which is very clear about the gifts anyway. But you see that tension within that world a lot, uh, especially when it comes to healing. And that's, a, that's an ongoing struggle and debate uh, inside that whole thing. And that's yeah. when it can and that's why that's one of the weaknesses of embracing all of the supernatural things. Well, it's that means God's always going to do miracles everywhere. and every time anybody's sick, they're just going to be healed instantly and all this yeah. sort of stuff. And that's
2: not the operation, really. And there is a time coming, that's the hope and the promise of our faith when all things will be revealed. So so the book Revelation is just it actually is named Apocalypse, which is just an uncovering. And so it's an uncovering of the heaven realities in our earthly time now. When Jesus says the kingdom of God is near, the kingdom of heaven is near, he, He's talking about the breakthrough that His completed works accomplished in the world, uh, and are are accomplishing. And so there is a time in Revelation at the consummation of all things when there will be no tears, there will be no crying, there will be no sickness, there will be no healing, and, and as we experience the inbreaking of. The he- of heaven on earth that's our prayer that's how Jesus taught us to pray God your will be done first of all your will be done so uh, on earth as it is in heaven and so now we when we experience a miracle or a sign or a healing or the blind receive sight from a doctor uh, like Prince Samuel or so like right. the that is an unveiling of the created order mm-hmm. that is now being restored the redemptive plan of 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 God. And so we should glorify Him, the purpose or the source, and the purpose, which is that more people will give Him more glory and testify uh, to the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, that things that there is an inbreaking of heaven, and that we should expect to see more and more and more and more of this as history and life unfolds.
0: The the more like we're just kind of sitting here having this conversation, the more I'm like, okay, there's the questions that I have, and it's like. I still keep asking this question in my head of, like, I want to I want to continue exploring these things, but it still doesn't change the gospel, you know, in the most part, unless, you know, maybe you guys would disagree that maybe it does. But, I mean, in the sense of how we receive and, and continue to think about, because um, our goal is to continue to get to know God better and continue to know, um, you know, just who he is, because that allows us to understand kind of continuing his purpose more. And I think it's interesting, like, you know, Just having these kinds of conversations, for me, helps me understand other people better um, and ultimately, I think, helps me understand God better. But I I still think, you know, I'm just very open, a little cautious, but I'm still pretty (laughs) open, Um, and especially hearing more of some of the thoughts of, of, I don't know, just these conversations have been going on for years, uh, which is just fascinating to me.
1: Well, Well, to me, it's like, and and as you read the the text uh, of the Bible, there's... There is it's threaded throughout. I mean that's that's undeniable. It's it's a part of their world. But to your point a while ago, Paul didn't really talk about it hardly at all in the epistles. If he at certainly all. doesn't little, prescribe instructions. Little. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, <laughs> he does. Okay, that was a part of their reality, but he didn't talk about it that much at all. Mm-hmm. And and so uh, that's a that's a balance of but and there's also an acknowledgement that there is the phony and there is the false, mm-hmm. and you do need to test. And uh, even Jesus said there'd be uh, those who. Deceive with false miracles. Mm-hmm. Uh, he doesn't deny, and he doesn't even deny that it would look miraculous. Actually, he kind of implies it. It will look absolutely miraculous. So, but within the entire uh, text of scripture, I feel, I believe that's where the real balance is found mm-hmm. uh, because it, it doesn't overemphasize. Yeah. Most all the miracles have some. You can tell there's almost a parabolic almost meaning behind them uh, the healing of the blind man you know the man more blind well it, it opens up this entire thing about about salvation and, the, and the, the nature of reality and all those kinds of things and sometimes we lose sight of that because we just want to see people get better you know yeah. and, and, and every problem we want to see get fixed
0: i think the two of the things you guys said there too are some things that i think people are going to process through is like okay yeah i I don't want it to be this thing where it's like, if it doesn't happen, then these things don't exist because that can't be true all the time. We understand that. And we understand that it's always a question. Anytime you have open questions well, why didn't God heal this person? Um, Those are always questions that, you know, as a pastor you get, and if you someone, I think Mm -hmm. it's specifically like students like write something in there. That's usually a question that they ask. I think everyone asks that question, but then also um, there's also that fear too of like, well, I don't want to trust somebody who is saying something that may not be true or may not be, you know, of God. It's like, that's scary too. I think we all kind of live in that tension. Um, But also I think that's part of like why we study these things for ourselves. You said this at the beginning, it's like pastors started learning and, and reading on their own and people started doing that as well. And we still see people doing that, you know, coming up with uh, the ability to to read the Bible on their own um, mm-hmm. and understand what that means. So I I, I think these conversations are great, but um, I hope it's helpful for other people. Hopefully they are, are processing through these things and and asking questions, and we'd love to hear those questions again. You can email us at podcast at onelifechurch dot org um, and. We'll send them on all to Austin. You know, we'll just send all these questions to Austin. Can, that's right. You can write them out, no, make some blogs. Enough,
2: yeah, yeah. yeah. I, uh, like I said, I could talk for hours. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: I don't know, anything else that we didn't get to on the list of questions or thoughts that I'm sure there's some, but anything that's really you want to make sure we get in?
2: Yeah, I do have just a couple more that I can't flesh out as much as I would like to. Um, but I really liked uh, the conversation from the sermon yesterday about the, the purpose of, of the spiritual gifts being expressed and lived out is that they're to build up the body. So I, I put together like a three uh, criterion. If you're, if you're wondering if this is you know, real or the power of God, it's like, okay, is, is it building up the body? Is it equipping the saints for ministry? And is it helping others experience the fullness of Jesus Christ? If it's yes, then let's go. <laughs> like, uh, let's get going. Right. Like, it's okay. Let's unleash this power in the world. And then, and then, the second I would say, uh, get get on the boards. You said, is it, is it important? Does it change the gospel? And I would say, it's it's not that it changes the gospel, but it's it's crucially, vitally important for us to to really reflect on the theological truths that we're expounding as a faith community, like. It's important to the gospel because the gospel proclaims that God is transcendent creator of all things and that he is powerful enough to become imminent, to become incarnate, to break through into our reality as Jesus Christ sent Mm -hmm. to redeem the world. And that it is by his power that he can redeem all things through Jesus Christ. And if we're not upholding that, then we're really in trouble, like, so we, it's, we better affirm the power of God, and then how it works itself out into individual expressions, that, that's a secondary conversation, but it's also vitally important in the sense of, we are, Scripture also affirms that we are filled, we are in Christ, first of all, so the transcendent reality that became imminent and incarnate in the world we are in that reality. That's what scripture says we're in it. And that God's very Holy Spirit fills us up to overflowing. And so the very power of God infills us as believers. That That's important. Like, that better be important to the gospel. <laughs> and so, as we talk about the particular, we could talk about the particulars of the spiritual gifts, you know, the lists in Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12 14 and Ephesians 4. But are the are the manifestations of those gifts producing the fruits of the spirit are they producing peace patience love kindness self-control gentleness in the world if they are then let's see more of that power let's see a lot more of it if it's not well then they're not it's not of the spirit and so we need to question those and we need to challenge our brothers and sisters in Christ who are manifesting spirit, so-called spiritual gifts that are not producing the fruits of the Spirit in the world. And so I would say, yes, it's, it's extremely important both in our understanding of the Christian faith and our living out of the, of the faith, and it's really important to keep having conversations like this. Live in community with brothers and sisters and receive their gifts and uh, have your life filled up by them.
1: There you go. See, I wouldn't improve there on go. that.
0: There yeah. you. See, I knew I'd wedding. get him, I knew I'd get him fired up at some point. I just had to ask that one earlier. Well, I would like to talk about that.
2: that more than uh, the 300 years of Justin Martyr and origin. No, that's oh, an man. important <laughs> part of the conversation too. <laughs> sure.
0: Another episode. Some yeah, another time let's do it again. Really say that. <laughs> uh, we
2: do need to talk about apostles. And, uh,
0: we do. And <laughs> it's one of those things that we've kind of talked about a little bit. And, it's definitely interesting because you know a lot of times you know when people are talking about you know cessationism and continuationism, um, prophecy tongues, healing miracles are kind of the things that feel like people talk about. but there's a whole section we're talking about apostles and I was like, what? Because I feel like I hear the term like oh, you can be an apostle of Jesus out into the world but like this is talking more specifically about giving specific foundations for Christian faith is my understanding as I've been studying this. is that correct? Mm-hmm. Or is it not? I don't know. Like I, um, I feel like this is I something was, I'd never I, seen before. I looking was just
2: at Brett. Uh, mostly kidding about opening that can of no, worms. I'm, but now we're,
0: now it's open. Now we're in. We're open. What? We're going a little yeah. extra here. Well, it, a we extra, time. Do an extra because segment. I
1: lean a lot more. I'm a lot more of a cessationist when it comes to the apostle <laughs> thing. I'm, I'm a lot more conservative. <laughs> okay. Well, because I've grappled with that because yeah. there's no question that the original twelve uh, mm-hmm. were specifically. Uh, Endowed with a calling that was not repeated. I'm convinced of that from the text and also from history. And the Christian, the Christian faith. You read early church history; it was very apostolic in the sense that they always referred back to the authority of the original apostles. So, but where I get torn is that which is apostolic, Mm -hmm. which is a different. I view that as a different thing, but I'm still trying to sort that out to this day. Uh, that's where I, I believe it's real but I get very I, I'm very cautious uh, um, I'm very conservatively cautious about uh, you know Austin's an yeah, apostle don't you, say know, I, you I, are yeah when, when someone calls themselves an apostle I'll admit and I even think I've even thought of myself and the spiritual gifts and all that of, of being apostolic in a sense sure. but I would never. Feel comfortable. Someone saying, "Oh, you're an apostle." I'd be like, "Ah, n- n- no, I, I can't." I, that's and even if anybody comes, see what I'm saying. It, it's yeah. kind of like this yeah. strange tension that but I live in. I
0: feel like I grew. I don't know if I say grew up, but like i have just always been around the the word. I don't think of right. it as the same way that I feel like this conversation talks about it. Like saying it exists or it doesn't exist. I think it's more of what you're saying. I would use the term you're an apostle, meaning you're apostolic in that right, sense. Yeah. And I feel like that's, that's a shift in my brain, like in a sense, which is good. I mean, I love right. like learning that in that new way, but, um, because it seems like from what I was reading and you know, most people are saying like that the, the gifts, you know, were, um, uh, for these, uh, we still are using the same apostolic teachings today as Christians, you know, that, that, that time we're creating um, and establishing the Orthodox doctrine that we, we kind of stick to. And mm. so if you have new ones now, would that change that? And I think it's the question we talked about that a little bit earlier. Um, if yeah, people are giving is, prophecies, is uh, that change yeah. the way that, you know, what, the word of God already says.
2: There's an authority and power issue again, back to the abuse thing that people have experienced that so they're reacting negatively against. But I would I would say that I agree fully with you guys and how you expressed it is that the the word apostle just means sent one in the Greek. So we better experience the sending ministry of the church, the apostolic right. ministry of the church. In fact, some of the reason why the church is facing the issues it is today, at least in America, is because we're not sending people. We're not sending Christians into the missional frontier, um, and that's where Jesus experienced. By the way, side note: that's where Jesus experienced some of the most miraculous and God empowered moments in his ministry. Was on the missional frontier being sent, you know, and so. Um, but yeah, I, I I would agree that the, the capital A apostles mm-hmm. was a clearly defined moment and that if there's any talk about gifting in the apostolic uh it's in the ministry of the sending ministry of the church
0: whole- jesus
2: fulfilled all of the apostle prophets evangelist teachers uh we get to sit in his ministry because we're in him
0: that's, that's what we needed to kind of bring it all together there.
2: <laughs> that's so right. Because yeah.
0: there. there's a whole offshoot you get on on that of like, okay, well, if, if Jesus experienced that the most when he was sent, well, we see that. And I would agree that I've seen people who are sent in different places experience those things, but we don't experience them in the same way that if someone was like um, in another country able to talk to someone in a language that they didn't know, but they were able to communicate with them mm-hmm. that that. Clicks with me, mm-hmm. but another type of language that I don't understand hasn't clicked with me yet. So mm. there we are. But Mark <laughs> Weaver's making praying, Mark Weaver's praying <laughs> for it. I know that. So. Oh, is it? <laughs> yeah, you better watch <laughs> out then. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs>
2: um,
0: wow, this has been fun. I don't know. I enjoy this kind of stuff, and I enjoy hanging out with Austin and Brett. Like I love that we get to have yeah, just open is. conversations and dialogue, and um, yeah, and and I think again, you know, the conversation that we're hoping is that. It helps us understand each other better inside of our our church communities and our communities that we're in. Um, any other things as we kind of wrap up? Then you guys would say maybe this first time you've ever heard these terms before. Where would you go next?
2: Oh my goodness, the Bible. The Bible. <laughs>
0: it's not a bad option. Jesus. Uh,
1: sorry, Jesus. The Bible. Yeah. There's uh, one life
2: there's sermons. Other, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You, yeah, you can follow along uh, there. Yeah.
1: there. The only one I ever pointed people to was the one I did on miracles. I, I liked that one. If I, the if message? I can like one, mm-hmm. okay. yeah, A couple of years ago, because it was, because I, I, I really enjoyed the search, and, and it brought up so many of these things that we talked about uh, in a way that because the resources that I was, uh, in, uh, led to like Keener's book and yeah. others, it was very very enlightening and helpful. Um, so I would go there. But yeah, the, but the Bible itself, like the epistles. I mean, what I, I used as you read them a lot, what do they talk about the most? Uh, what do they talk about the most? That's that's a great question to ask. And so, what are you thinking about the most? It's a way to keep yourself well bordered. Well,
0: wow. yeah. well,
2: wow. yeah. And it's hard to recommend very specific things because, like I said, this is such a complex issue that includes philosophical moves from society, uh, two thousand years of church history, theological reflection, reflection, how to interpret the Bible, and so I. You just need to grab a partner. That's my. That's my. Uh, <laughs> Grab someone in your life and go on a learning journey if you truly want to explore it. and be open, uh, be curious, ask questions. As as said wow. in the last series, like don't close off uh, to what God may want to reveal to you.
0: A learning journey. Yeah, I like a that. It's pretty someone. good. That's pretty good, Austin. Thank you for joining us as always. Can't wait for the next time. Who knows what we'll ask you to talk about next time. <laughs> so always enjoy, Brett. Anything to close with? As we wrap up. Yeah, we're
1: coming up on our focus uh, uh, on our prayer weekend, and uh, people have been signing up for that, and that is in the interest of just seeing God do, and I know there's an association between our level of prayer and our level of experiencing him and seeing him do things. And uh, so hope people will participate in that. And, uh, yeah, so um, please do that. Just keep seeking God and with, in, in honesty and sincerity and fervor.
0: We're going to do it. Guys, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for uh, listening. And again, let us know you're listening. We'd love to hear your questions. Podcast at onelifechurch.org. If you want to listen to some of these conversations we talked about, onelifechurch.org. You can click on messages, find out more, or find us on YouTube. It's the best place to find us right now. So we'll see you guys next time as we continue our conversation on spiritual power next time.